Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back. The Common Ball World Cup qualifiers begin today. Here's a look at the matches on tap. We've got three to look forward to today. Paraguay taking on Peru. Colombia versus Venezuela. <gasps> Nico, Argentina. Facing Ecuador at 8 p.m. Eastern. The road uh, begins. Oh, my goodness. And then tomorrow we will see Uruguay versus Chile and Brazil taking on Bolivia. <sighs> How excited are you? Are you are you looking forward to this? Are you nervous? What's your? I'm taking your temperature right now. Where are we at? Um... <laughs> I've got uh, mixed emotions mm -hmm. because eliminatorias, <laughs> as they're called in South America, World Cup qualifiers, when it was a 32-team World Cup, these World Cup qualifiers were probably the most cutthroat in the world because only four made it direct. One would go to the playoff. The right. fifth place team would go to the playoff. And now with an amplified World Cup. So they've changed the format. Yeah. There's uh, many more teams that make it, right? Six. There's, Six make with it with, with a seventh playoff spot, and there's ten teams in the region. Obviously, okay. this gives the likes of Bolivia, who has never made a World Cup, the right to dream. Venezuela, who's never made a World Cup, uh, the right to dream. And Paraguay, who's missed off of the last couple of World Cups that have had memorable World Cup performance, but want to be back at the big dance, the right to dream. Um, so, I mean... The others, like Peru, for example, who haven't been usual suspects, mm -hmm. um, also uh, get a bigger opportunity to make the World Cup. It's generous. For those for, of you who for, didn't understand the Spanish, you might have just seen on the screen. Oh, excuse so, me. You know, it's fine. The top six uh, qualify. Seventh goes to a playoff, which is usually uh, Oceania. Asia. So, so Asia. they're doing a, a different style now. So. It's a, a round-robin playoff with mm -hmm. each federation um, gets one playoff team. Right. And so two, the two from the six playoff teams get to go to the World Cup. Okay. And yeah. then eight, nine, and ten. Eliminated. Eliminated. Yeah. Before it was very difficult because the first two positions are almost always, always Brazil and or Argentina. Yeah. Uh, you figure out who's top two. I, not almost always Brazil and Argentina. Always Brazil. Argentina has had, even Argentina, yes, in, in to the, going to the 2010 World Cup, going into the 1986 World Cup, several cycles where Argentina has gotten to the last match day mm. and into must-win games, like agonizing finishes. And, it's, and so you can't just, that's why it's such a crazy pot where it's, okay, Brazil's going to go, and then there's just a handful of teams and big Always there's going to be two or three when it was four, four plus one. 
a big nation would be left out. So it's almost like La Liga, right? You got Real Madrid and Barcelona, you, top two. And then, That's your Brazil, Argentina, Argentina, Brazil. You figure out how you want that. And then Atletico Madrid is like your Uruguay. Uruguay, you know, yeah. plays yeah. very defensively, always on the way. <laughs> has a new has a new system. Uh, you know, Marcelo Bielsa is in there. A lot of new players. Luis Suarez, um, Edinson Cavani, not there. They would generally, for the most part, be your third best. They struggled a little bit last year, but that's when you had four. Mm -hmm. So if you take those three teams, you have essentially one more position but for the rest Uruguay of the country. Uruguay is not a, a lock for you, you said. No, now with, with so many teams, it's, they have to make the World Cup, especially if you're hiring Bielsa. But Bielsa has overhauled the program and started with young players because that's how Bielsa is. Apparently, he didn't even call Suarez or Cavani. Um, and, and Suarez made some statements that he was expecting at least a call or something like that. And Bielsa, in a very Bielsa way, said, young guys, fresh legs, we're going to play the way that I want to play, which is high intensity, high mm -hmm. press. Um, and he does not go back from that style. That is Bielsa ball. And I'm super interested to see tomorrow night how, how Uruguay does. But look, there's not only that, Chile is also that old guard can't carry the weight that they carried before. The two-time Copa America champions, that's, we've moved on mm -hmm. from that team, despite still having Arturo Vidal, Alexis Sanchez, Gary Medel, but there's a lot of young new guys from either domestic football or scattered a little bit around Europe, lower leagues. Uh, Marcelino Nunez plays for Norwich. He's really good, by the way. What year was it where that crew won? Um, I think it was with San Paoli, won Copa America. They was won Copa 20, America in 2015. 2015. And we're home. still talking about these players. And then, and then they won the Copa America Centenario the year afterwards here in the United States. And they didn't make the last two World Cups, which is cr crazy for them considering that they were some of the best in, in South America, Colombia also didn't make the last World Cup. And they've also, with a new process, with great players, they've picked up steam. We saw them in a friendly against the U.S., not their best team, but they have more talent. So the thing is that there's going to be one nation I'll, I'll tell you that's right now, not going to make the, it. The, the nation that's the happiest is Colombia. Because for me, they're going to be in this top seven. They, they of course. Yes. And that's, I think that's a great counter to what Nico said in the general attitude Nico has towards an expanded World Cup, which is, yes, maybe it changes the level of competition. But to see a team like a Colombia back in the World Cup, to see Venezuela, Vino Tinto, get into the World Cup, what that would mean for that nation, to, uh, where football isn't even the number one sport there, yeah. for that nation to start to develop and, and to inspire the youth, you saw it in, in this last World Cup. It's a great opportunity. For me, yes, maybe it's a little bit like MLS where the majority of the teams get into the playoffs, so to speak, and yeah. qualify. But this is going to alleviate sort of that, I think that feeling of you'll never get to make it in a, in a, in a Comnable. That's more for the Venezuelas and the Bolivias of the yes. region. Not for the Colombias, not for the Ecuadors, not uh, for the Perus. Not, it, it, it feels like the World Cup has to be this exclusive ticket that yeah, you have I, to earn. I disagree. It's called when, the World when, Cup. Yeah, I think it should be more the inclusive, not when, exclusive. No, when there's... You, they still, you're still going to get knocked out when of the you're group if you're getting seven not good. tickets for a region with ten teams, the ante is dropped. You're not up in the ante. There's no, there's no... So what's the difference? They get a chance to go to the group stages. They don't play extremely well, but they get that opportunity to play in a World Cup. Yeah. What's the difference? 
Well, you just you just want it to be Argentina no, and your five no, no, friends. No, I, I, no, I not even even if Argentina doesn't <laughs> no, make I, it. I'm Argen only kidding. And if and if Argentina didn't make it, imagine <laughs> how much more glorious it would be in a, in a. For example, Peru took Argentina to the very last match day in 2010 when Maradona was a national team manager. Had Argentina been eliminated from World Cup contention and Peru bought their ticket, that ticket would have been the most epic ticket. It's just I feel like we're it's too generous. That's what Infantino's driving with, uh, with his expanded. It's, it's too nice. Invite more people to the We're party. never going to agree right. on this. You know? Yeah. They I just think want, you're, they just you're just more traditionalist. You want a 16 team World Cup. Yeah. He's a no, purist. no, no. 16, no. 30, 32 is perfect for the men and the women. 32 is, is the sweet spot. That's a sweet hey, spot. But there's nine African countries that get to go. It's going to be huge. One playoff. That's, that, that pumps me up. The more the merrier. Yes. As they say. Okay, uh, we're going to take a break. Jenny Chu will be back with some more headlines on the other side. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back. Here's a look at your Thursday footy fix. Um, as we mentioned, we've got some Euro 2024 qualifiers coming up. France taking on Ireland at 2.45 p.m. Eastern on FS2. We also have the Netherlands versus Greece at 2.45 on VIX. AFCON qualifiers will see Ghana take on Central African Republic at 12 p.m. Eastern on BN Sports. We also will see Algeria versus Tanzania at 3 p.m. on BN. And CONCACAF Nations League, Panama versus Martinique at 8 p.m. on Paramount Plus and Guatemala versus El Salvador at 10.30 p.m. Again, you can watch that on Paramount Plus. But right now, let's send it on over to Jenny Chu for some more headlines. Take it away, Jenny. Thank you, Susanna. The nominees for the Ballon d'Or were announced yesterday, and Lionel Messi and Erling Haaland headlined the list of 30 candidates for the men's award. Messi led Argentina to the World Cup title and is considered the favorite to win his eighth Ballon d'Or. But Haaland's 52 goals in all competitions for treble-winning Manchester City make him a strong contender. World Cup Golden Ball winner Aitana Bonmati leads the 30-player list of nominees for the women's Ballon d'Or. Bonmati is the favorite after completing the Champions League and World Cup double with Barcelona and Spain. And she is one of four members of Spain's World Cup winning squad among the Ballon d'Or nominees. One of Bonmati's teammates on Spain's World Cup winning team is Jenny Hermoso. And Hermoso has filed a formal legal complaint against Luis Rubiales, accusing the suspended Spanish Football Federation president of sexual assault for kissing her on the mouth without her consent during the medal ceremony at the World Cup final. Spain's prosecutor's office has confirmed that the complaint will be processed as soon as possible. Rubiales has been suspended by FIFA from all football activities and is the subject of investigations by the Spanish government and FIFA for his behavior at the Women's World Cup. Cup final. The transfer window in Europe's top leagues has closed on Friday, but Middle Eastern clubs are still finalizing major moves before their respective windows close. Among the biggest moves still in the works is Italian midfielder Marco Baratti's looming move to Qatar. 
According to multiple reports, the PSG midfielder is finalizing a transfer to Qatari Stars League side Al Arabi. Marathi spent 11 seasons at PSG but was left off PSG's Champions League squad ahead of their reported $54 million move to Qatar. One of the transfer moves that has been completed in the Middle East today is Damari Gray's transfer to Saudi Pro League side Al Etifak. The Jamaican international is leaving Everton on a $10 million transfer to the club, coached by Steven Gerrard, where Gray will be teammates with Jordan Henderson. The Gray move may not be the last move made by Al Etifak, who are reportedly attempting to line up one more blockbuster move before the close of the Saudi transfer window. According to CBS Sports correspondent James Bench, Al Etifak is preparing to make a loan bid for Manchester United's Jadon Sancho. The out-of-favor winger has struggled for playing time and recently drew criticism from United manager Eric Ten Hag, who cited Sancho's performance in training for his lack of playing time. Sancho responded to Ten Hag's criticism by claiming that he was just being made a scapegoat. In U.S. soccer news, Marko Mitrovic has been named head coach of the U.S. under-23 men's national team. He will have the task of leading the under-23s at the 2024 Olympics in Paris. A former assistant coach with the Chicago Fire and English club Reading FC under head coach Velko Panovic, Mitrovic has spent the past two years as head coach of the U.S. under-19 men's national team and recently served as assistant coach with the U.S. men's national team during the CONCACAF Nations League finals in June. He takes over a U.S. team that will feature at the Olympics for the first time since 2008, a team that featured our very own Charlie Davies. Oh, look at that guy. Oh, <laughs> baby Charlie. Look at that face. It doesn't even look like you. Oh, my goodness gracious. Wow. God, you look like you're 10 in this photo. Yeah. Same hairline, though. That's this, bad. Look this, at that. This was the, the OG. We played, this was before the Olympics started. We got a, a chance to have two friendlies against Ivory Coast and Cameroon because Nigeria w was in our group. So we played those games in Hong Kong. Um, just incredible experience, and, and the memories are, are just top notch. I mean, what a, to play in the Olympics, it just, doesn't really get much better. Of course, World Cup is a World Cup. Mm -hmm. Olympics, just knowing that you're surrounded by the greatest athletes in the world in, in their respective sports, just incredible. Pretty special. You talk about how important the Olympics is and, and it was for your career. Do you feel like those, this golden generation of Christian Pulisic and Weston McKinney will also be on this roster? Well, you know, the U.S. would love for them to be on this roster, but at the end of the day, they don't have to be released by their clubs. So a player like Christian Pulisic as even if he wants to go, Milan can say, no, you're not going. I think for a, a country like France, who's hosting this, this next Olympics in Paris, you have a little bit more sway to get an Mbappe to, to play or a Griezmann because it's the home country. So clubs may be willing to let them vote because the players are going to demand to be a part of it. And Mbappe has talked about wanting to be playing in the Olympics. I think for the U.S., you know, if you could get a Yunus Musa to play and Christian Pulisic and a Ricardo Pepe to lead the line, you and want you, you, all the not players. Only that, that, you only get, you can also get three overage players. Three overage mm -hmm. players. So the, the, I think the experience of playing in an Olympics, we, we want to win a gold medal in the Olympics. You want that. So it preps the next generation to go and get the World Cup and bring that trophy home. It's obviously not a World What's, Cup if you win Olympic gold, but it gives you that a little appetite, the taste of what a, a, a tournament feels like to win in those knockout rounds, playing against the top players in the world. It, 
it's only going to be a massive benefit. And I look at our group, we haven't gone since 2008, which is crazy. That's wild. Think about the failures of, of our program, our under 23 programs, the, the amount of talent that we've had, the hype. We have not, we've underachieved. And in 2008, as good as we were, we underachieved. We, di we didn't get things right. And we always look back and say, man, what could have been? Because we lost to Nigeria. We were the better side. We got a red card. And Nigeria goes and gets a silver medal to, to Argentina. To Argentina. Okay. Um, but yes. Charlie, I challenge you this. If you had to make the roster right now, your three players that are over 23. Consider, he, but here's a caveat to that. Copa America 2024. Right. Just, just the U.S. is going to make Copa America 24, we imagine, which is a pretty big tournament for the U.S. to play in. Mm. Who are your three overage players? We're going to have to have a break. Because, again, it's back-to-back -back tournaments. It's back-to-back. Some, someone's going to have to do double duty, it feels and, like. And in 2009, I did that back-to-back. -back. I went co uh, to Confederations Cup, right into Gold Cup. And that was rare, because I was one of maybe three or four players to, to, to make that trip. So we went from South Africa to Seattle. Uh, it, it, is, it, it is a lot with no break. And, and it's, you know, nowadays, players are playing 40, 50 games in a year. You need a break. So I'm going to have to think on that one. I'm going to think on that one. Jenny, you stumped Susanna, him. Susanna, ask him later. Don't, I, um, don't let him forget. I know. I will follow up. I promise. <laughs> we'll, we'll give Charlie a little time yeah. to get his thoughts together. Um, all right, guys, we're going to take a break. Um, when we come back, we are going to be chatting about some dual nationals for the U.S. men's national team and how these players have affected the team. We will be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Morning Footy, presented by Degree. It won't let you down. Well, the U.S. men's national team have a couple upcoming friendlies with Uzbekistan and Oman, and that roster has been bolstered by a few dual nationals who are now cap-tied to the United States. Here's a look at the list of current dual nationals. A few of these guys we will see in action There's on Saturday and Tuesday. I know. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. So it's interesting. We, we've seen this... I think kind of become a, a strategy for the U.S. men's national teams in terms it of is. how they are now bolstering their roster. It feels like uh, the Jurgen Klinsmann era was sort of, a, I don't know, the, the height of this when he went after a bunch of a German Americans. Now it's the height. Was that the precursor then to this now becoming uh, sort of the trend in terms of you know us bringing in talent? And also, is it necessary for for the United States to be competitive. It's the key. And if you gotta give Berhalter credit on something, it's this because this is the agenda that he's been pushing, going, searching, convincing, entertaining, whining and dining a lot of these guys. 
and they have been convinced. Mm -hmm. Serginho Dest had the opportunity to play for the Netherlands and to play for England. You say, oh yeah, but look, at Barcelona, he didn't make the cut. At Milan, he didn't make the cut. Ronald Koeman was the national team manager back then before he left and then came back. And Ronald Koeman really liked Dest. He's the one that brings him to Barcelona. Dest was going to have a guaranteed spot on the Netherlands national team, and he ended up choosing the United States. Um, that is a big win for the U.S. It's a big win for Berhalter that's been pushing this, and he has convinced a lot of guys. Um, and, and that's the nature of a country that is so multicultural mm -hmm. and metropolitan like ours. More and more, you're going to get multinationals, not even dual nationals, multinationals that uh, pop up either in, in Europe or Africa or South America that are eligible to play for the U.S. Uh, this has been a, a, a long-term goal, long before Greg Berhalter, long before Jurgen Klinsmann. I mean, I, I look at David Regine, the 98 World Cup. I mean, Ernie Stewart is a dual national. Mm -hmm. Ramos. The, the, I think what happened was prior to this generation, and even the one before it, was the U.S. wasn't seen as that competitive. So or, or an if, you had the chance, to to. if you had the chance to play for Italy, Q, uh, Q Giuseppe Rossi. You go to Italy. You go to Italy. Like, if you could play on, an, on another national team, Jermaine Jones, if he could have played for Germany, he's he not playing he, for the he U.S. He would have gone to Germany. Team. So y the U.S. was always seen as second fiddle. And if you couldn't play for the country that you lived in and you were a dual national and you could play for America, then you would make the jump. Mm -hmm. Once you knew you couldn't represent that initial country, you would make the jump. Now, this is the switch. You have the opportunity to play for that country. Serginho Dest, Yunus Musa. You could play for the, the other country that Balogun. your family's from. You opt to, Balogun, not so much because yeah. You but went, he was in a U23 setup for England. Yeah, not the full like, We don't setup. know how his progression right. could have gone, but, he, but if you're scoring moment, that amount of goals in France, you can, I don't know, safely assume, but potential. Yes, potential, but there's a difference there. between potentially versus now. Okay. So Serginho Dest was a, right. and now you will play for the Netherlands, and he chose America. And it was more Ernie Stewart in, in that convincing uh, conversation, but... That is just the growth that we've seen in, in the States, in, in the player pool. I think the motivation to represent the United States because you can compete and you're excited about the potential of this group. And that's what is so exhilarating when you watch this group. They all, come, they all came together easy. Timothy Weah, uh, another player who, could, who, who was a dual national. You just love the fact that they're excited, they're coming together, and they, they generally like each other. And so, yeah. therefore, you're starting to see, just in this World Cup, so no World Cup experience for this group, so young, and they're competing. They're getting out to the knockout rounds. And we're all underwhelmed when they lose to the Netherlands. Yeah. Because we Great feel point. they should get by the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. That's how, how much we've grown as a country. So, to say in 2024 in the Copa America, the 2026 World Cup at home, the expectations are here because they should be here. Mm -hmm. This group should be mm -hmm. competing for, for trophies. So that's, I think that's the change when we look at the narrative 
for dual nationals. And give a little credit to U.S. soccer, Greg Berhalter. And, and I want to take it a step further from what uh, Nico said. It's not just been a focus. It's clearly been a successful launch of bringing some of these national team play, dual nationals to play for the U.S. And I think we got a window into the back, sort of behind the scenes, with um, Fuller and Balogun when he started posting a lot of the Instagram yeah. stories of what was going on in Orlando. We got to see how U.S. soccer has put a focus. You're, it's not just the whining. It's not just the dining. It's not just meeting superstars from other sports. It's getting to see this is what you get to play for. These are the folks that are going to be behind you, that are going to be rooting for you. This is the culture that you're going to step into. Because let's be honest, for a lot of these dual nationals, they didn't grow up in America. They don't know it. And it makes me think of some of those dual nationals that, uh, you know, that we sort of miss. But it also makes me think of this dual nationals that are helping other dual nationals come in. Falaren Balligan also mentioned that Yunus Musa was on nonstop reaching out to him, saying, like, yo, I'm telling you. It's a it's vibe. Good. Yo, bro, <laughs> look how much fun I'm having. We're balling yeah. out here. Yo, we're young. It's a good, it's a young squad. Ever since we missed that 2018 World Cup, maybe. Maybe the fans didn't see the change fast enough. Maybe the fans didn't get that adjustment quick enough. We didn't see people resign and, and heads roll. But what we have seen now, if we look back, is this turn to a youth culture, this turn to playing your kids, and a turn to if you're young, you're a superstar, and you think you've got a future, and you have a chance to play for the U.S., this is the place you want to there, ball out. The United States is playing to this beautiful multi multiculturalism that we have in the United States where you might speak with a different accent, with a foreign accent, uh, might have a different soccer language in your upbringing, but that's an extension of the United States mm -hmm. into other countries. Yeah. The United States is Anthony Robinson speaking like an Englishman but being American. The United States is Hispanics like me that speak with an accent. When people come and tell me, oh, but you, you have an accent when you speak. Men, the, my accent is, is because of the United yeah. States. The you just said men my, he as an example. Men. Men. M-E-N-G. That's, I'm that's ready the, to, the but, Miami but, man. But, and, and that's hearts. why... And what that's you talking why, about, man? But, and and that's why it's... <laughs> so I, it makes me so proud to see this multiculturalism. And it, it's, it's this mesh. Absolutely. And this... this melting pot of, of, of languages, of, of cultures, which is representative of the United States and what we've done here yeah, I, this I, is, as a I'm country. I'm born raiser. I didn't learn English until I was nine years old. I, <laughs> like you, you don't even need to know English to be an American. I completely, I completely agree. I think that that is the whole ethos of the, the country and what we were built on, and that was a beautiful... Not, not to take anything away from no, it was, families it and was people beautiful. that have been here for a long time that also have talented football players, but there was... But it is a melting pot. They've we tapped are, into different are, communities in different areas of the, how wide of the United yes, States 100%. spreads its reach. No, and it makes sense, and it's also just smart to, to tap into all that is available. All your all resources. Of those, all of your resources, 100%. So when I'm looking at this, this list of, of current dual nationals right now, we talked about Falaire and Balligan, Serginho Dest, Yunus Musa, Anthony Robinson. Of these guys, Charlie, who do you feel like is, has been maybe the biggest win, the biggest get for the oh, United States? Guys who had other cool. options. I think the biggest get was Serginho Dest because he was being courted by the Netherlands team, the full side. That was like at the highest bidder. And, and <laughs> that, that was, was this is a, a player who's starting at Ajax. Yeah. He's a starter at Ajax, yep. and the Netherlands are coming after him. And, and he's putting the flag And he's culturally Dutch. He's, he's, was, you know, the way that he speaks, he communicates, he's very Dutch. Yeah, very much so. It so, felt like LeBron deciding whether he was going to go to the Knicks or Miami. 
it felt like that moment of like it could go anywhere. And I think American fans thought we were going to lose out on him. Yeah, it, so that's why, for me, that was probably the biggest get. But I think the player with the most potential is Yunus Musa. Mm-hmm. I, I'm mm-hmm. so excited about Yunus Musa and what, where he can go. I think Milan is a great move for him tactically to learn how to play in that league. We're starting to see a shift of him playing. He was at winger at Valencia, comes inside. He's more of a, a, an attacking midfielder at number eight. Um, with Valencia once um, the, the coaching change was made and then with the U.S., now he's starting to m- move back into a, a number six defensive role and he's, he can do it all. He's that gifted. So I'm excited about his future. Love that. Uh, let's continue this conversation because this is really fun. So when we, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the players that went the other way that had the option of playing for the United States and chose elsewhere, elsewhere. Uh, That's coming up after a quick timeout. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Morning Footy presented by Degree. It won't let you down, but you know who might let you down? Players who have the option of playing for the United States but then choose not to. So we just had this conversation about the guys uh, who are now cap-tied to the U.S. after having other options to play for some different countries. Um, But there are those that chose to play elsewhere. And I think probably the the one of, of biggest note is Giuseppe Rossi, who you you touched on, Charlie. Alexis, he's a he's a Jersey boy. Jersey boy. What I, the heck? I interviewed him in 2018, uh, talking about, and I said, I know where his, his agent was like, just don't ask him about that. And I'm like, of course not. And then I was like, hey, by the way, I got to ask. Uh, I was like, come on, man. What happened in that moment? And if you've ever met, uh, you know, uh, Italians from Jersey, they're very proud of Italy before anything else. Sure. Um, and he's one of them. I think he comes from... You know, a family that is directly from Italy. He was, I think, uh, first born in this country. And he said as a kid, it was never even a thought to play for the U.S. He knew he was playing here, but his grandfather and his family made it very clear, you're Italian, You, if you get a chance to play for Italy, you're playing for Italy. So for him, I don't think it was so much as turning down America. It felt that way to us, but to him, it was, no, he was, he was, he reached the pinnacle. Yeah, I took it wild personal. I'm like, bro, you from where I'm from, you know? Blood of my blood. And he still decided to go to, uh, to Italy. And I think that for me, I know we're going to talk about who, who missed the most, but in that moment, in that era, we needed a player like Giuseppe Rossi so bad for this U.S. men's national team. What he would have meant for, for us as a national team would have been huge. It it was gut-wrenching. And... Uh, talk about quality. Oh, my God. I mean, bundles uh, of, of quality with his left foot. Uh, I remember the Confederations Cup was his, his coming out party for the Italian side. So me as a, a young that American. that celebrated scoring on us? Yeah. Yeah. He dropped a, dropped a brace. But as a young American <laughs> going into this match, I had, I had just heard of Giuseppe Rossi. It was almost like the, this legend. And 
I had never seen him play, and, and here he is on the, coming on the pitch for the Italian side and scores a golazo. This is top ten golazo. So maybe it's like top three on our top what ten What did countdown. it look? What kind of goal? Describe uh, from it From outside, me. just a smash. Okay. And me, I came into the game as a substitute, and I was thinking, I want to show that they don't need this guy. Like, I want to show that I'm – I was – I was just like almost intimidated by, you know, seeing Gattuso and, and you know, Gianluigi Buffon. You know, you just, I'm thinking to myself, man, De Rossi, just top players. And here, De Rossi, uh, Giuseppe Rossi just absolutely bangs too. They win, and everyone's kind of thinking, like, what if we had him? Yeah, what if we had him? <laughs> he would have fit perfectly. He would have fit perfectly with, with our squad. Just, I think the fluidity of the U.S. men's national team at that point, we had started to take a turn. We would have beat Ghana 2010 World Cup. Oh. <gasps> oh if I didn't get injured, we were going to Ghana in the two. There we go. Oh my God. We would have never had a, we would have never had a Landon Donovan moment. It would have been too easy for us. It pains me to think about back to that World Cup because that 2010 side was was. So dominant when we need to be dominant. Yeah. We're so flexible. We could we could play counter. We could keep the ball, keep possession. Uh, Landon and Clint as as wingers who could come in, but also bomb bomb down the the, the sidelines. Clint was just a, a big time moments. He always c came through. Stu Holden was coming into his own at, at Bolton. Uh, we just I, had depth and and we weren't scared of anyone. Mm -hmm. Can we add another guy to that 2010 World Cup squad? Sure. Nevin Subotic. Yes. Oof. Great defense. Uh, ended, up playing, ended up playing for Serbia, played in a Champions League final for Dortmund later than after that 2010 World Cup, obviously. But uh, he was eligible to play for the U.S. men's national team. He was in the youth system, in the youth setup, and ended up not choosing the U.S. But I think he would have started over Jada Merritt, for example. 100%. And then, and then at one point, Gucci gets injured and it doesn't play the last two games of the World Cup and he would have slid in there. Bocanegra had to play center back. Yeah, I, I mean, I hosted him on his official visit to Boston College and obviously that didn't work out because he chose <sighs> to go to South Florida. So I didn't do my job. But Damn, is bad recruiter? Twice? Yeah. <laughs> Where did you fail in I, that department? I don't know. I, I thought I rolled out the red I carpet. Was gonna, <laughs> I was like, hey, I'd I was like, hey, Nevin, you can't, you can't not come to Boston, right, after this visit. He's like, yeah, I mean, this was fun. I'm like, yes, I did my job. He's like, I committed to South Florida. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, this was fun. Peace. <laughs> yeah. I'm never coming back. But, yeah, I mean, no disrespect to any of the players that we had, but this, another super talented center back that would have would have been a great addition to the U.S. men's national team. But if things if things look the way they did now at the time, do you think that these guys still would have gone the way that they had? Do you think that the U.S. where they are right now becomes a more enticing option? Mm. I think this especially one, with the World Cup, this wouldn't hurt because Serbia is not like a, a power superpower. Yeah, where Italy, I get it. You know, uh, you know, I kind of get it if Italy is the one you decide to go play for again, instead of the U.S. This one hurt more. I also think Jonathan David Lowkey. I thought he was born in New York. I thought he would pick the U.S. Uh, but we'll be back after this. We got more when we get back. Good job. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, Chris, Chris Richards. Richards. Next, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Chris!
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Morning Footy presented by Degree. It won't let you down. You know what let me down? My mic. It cut out. And I'm, we're sorry about that. But How I'm I back. Hey, you picked I think up. You did great. That's a, that's a teammate right there. And that, that, <laughs> we we, we got to have like handheld microphones just in case yeah. that ever happens. Pull up the mic. <laughs> we got it under control. Don't worry. Um, well, the U.S. men's national team have a pair of friendlies coming up against Uzbekistan on Saturday. And then they'll face Oman on Tuesday. And we are very excited to bring in a guy who is currently in camp with the U.S. Defender Chris Richards. Chris, how are you doing? We are absolutely loving the new hairstyle, by the way. Looks super fresh. How long did that take? (laughs) Uh, It took about an hour, hour and a half. Um, And it was pretty sore the next day. But uh, no, it's it's good to switch up every once in a while. You got to switch it up. Yeah, I I remember doing that. And. My head was sore that I was like, I'm not doing this again. This is prime ludicrous right here. <laughs> Show us. Yeah. Give this us. is on point, Chris. I am I'm not lying. Let, let's see the size. Let's see the size up top. I had to get it, had to get a little clean. You're feeling it. No, it looks great. Um, all right, so tell us, tell us about uh, this camp, Ber- Greg Burhalter back in charge. Um, what are the vibes like? How's everyone gelling? What's the experience been like so far? No, it's been like we haven't missed a step, you know. Um, Greg kind of set the foundation for us, and I think we brought it through Nations League and, and Gold Cup, and so with him coming back, it was pretty much just the same type of environment. Um, you know, we've welcomed the new players. We've, uh, you know, we've, we're in a new city now, so that doesn't really change much. But, um, you know, it's the same good vibes as it always has been. I'm curious, when you come back to the States, what, what do you like to do? Because I remember on these camps, there's certain, you know, food I, want, I would like to have because you can't get that in, in, the, in Europe. Or okay, you know he's going to say put pineapple You, you want to hit, hit them all, get <laughs> some do shopping that. done. Like, what, what do you like to do when you come back? Yeah, you know, I think uh, I think we all like to do the simple stuff, like whether it's go grab a coffee or you know just go shopping. But I think for me personally, I like to go to to Canes, Raising Canes. I think that's a that's a hot one for a lot of us here. Um, and so I think that's probably the number one thing I'm doing if I come back uh, if I come back stateside. Okay, okay, listen, we just got a Raising Canes in New York. I live in Brooklyn. Wait, we just where? got one. It's in Midtown. Wait, Yo, stop. hold on. What is it? It is a chicken finger uh, restaurant, okay. and that's literally so all it is. <laughs> all you get is chicken fingers, you get toast, Tendies. a butter toast, and you get a bucket of sauce. But you got to put me yeah. on. What's the move? Because I haven't been yet. So what's the Chris Richards order? I'm giving you a lot of respect here because I know you put pineapple on pizza, which is a crime. <laughs> it's a crime in New York. But I'm going to give you this. What's the order okay. at Raising Canes? What do I do? What's the move? All right, so what you do is you get this thing called the box combo. So it's it's four tenders. You substitute the coleslaw for an extra piece of toast, Woo. and then you get an extra sauce on the side, and you're good in a high seat of drink. Do you get? Do you make the sandwich, or you do in the individuals? 
I do it individual. You can make a sandwich, but that's a little bit too much work for me. I just like to. <laughs> Is there uh, hot kinda, sauce? Well, I feel I feel so ignorant. Are the like the, the tenders must be massive? It's dead ass just chicken fingers <laughs> and and bread and wow. sauce and fries. Amazing. Uh, I I do want to ask you about the national camp now that we've gotten that out of the way. Um, this is, a, you know, obviously a bit of a youth movement. You've got uh, a lot of younger guys around you. We just finished talking about how the vibes are different, um, and, and the squad seems so much more young, more fun. It's drawing in a lot of attention, especially from dual nationals. Tell us a little bit about how the camp feels as far as the young vibe is concerned, how you get along with some of the other players on the national team. Yeah, you know, it's a good mixture of, of young players and, and vets, which is crazy to say. I think Christian has the most caps, and he's, what, 25 years old? Uh, so I think that, um, you know, we have guys here who are 18, 19, 20 years old, um, but they kind of bring this sense of maturity to them. And I think once you're playing for for the crest, uh, I think you kind of have to, to have that bit of, uh, like I said, maturity to you because you're not just representing you know, and that's representing people your age, representing, you know, families, parents, grandparents, people who came before you. Um, so, I mean, I think the vibes are the vibes are a good mixture of youth and veteran um, here at this camp. Christian, we were having a conversation a couple segments ago about dual nationals. We really dove deep into how important they are for the program. You, that you're not a dual national, that American born and bred, your parents are American, you only had one place to go, and you're seeing it kind of from an outside perspective. How important is it for them, do you think? How do you perceive that importance for when they finally end up choosing the U.S. and, and play for the national team? Yeah, you know, I think it gives us also a sense of pride knowing that they, they also see the vision and see the, see the talent that we have going forward. And um, like you said, I feel like probably half this team is eligible to play for, for another nation, but you know, they decided that they felt more American than whatever their, their second nationality is. And I think that, that means a lot to us and it shows their commitment. And so, um, you know, I think it also shows how exciting this group can be. And I think we're really looking forward to, you know, to making a statement uh, come the 26th World Cup. Chris, you were one of the, the stars in the Nations League semifinals and finals. A complete revelation because I felt you finally took your game to the next level with the senior team. And you could you know, pass it on the back, great anticipation. You, you, you get a goal. You're feeling yourself. So how do you build off of that? What, what's the goals? What are the expectations in this camp? Is, is, could we see a back three? Could you fit into that? And, and how do you continue to, to keep improving? Yeah, you know, uh, I have pretty high standards for myself. Um, I felt like I had a good Nations League, but also I feel like, you know, I could I could do better. And I think it's just not, you know, not being content with how you play. And I think that, you know, I did have a good Nations League, but also I could have done certain things better. And I think it's just always striving to get better is, is, um, is something that I try to do. So hopefully this camp, it's just another, another chance to prove um, why I deserve to be one of the top guys. And uh, whatever system Greg puts us in, I'm going to go out there and, and ball out. What are those conversations like Greg been like, pick them up back again? Has he given you any new information, something that he wants out of you that you weren't expected before? How's that been like for you specifically in your relationship with Greg? No, I mean, Greg played the position. Uh, 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 so I think it's just 
hearing his touch and kind of help fine tune my game. And, um, you know, he's he's a coach, so of course you, you have to listen to what he's saying and uh, hoping that he has uh, kind of the best advice for you. Um, but I'm here for a reason, so I try not to completely switch up my game when I come here, but just kind of taking the 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 criticism or the advice that he's given me and just uh, bring it into my game. Chris, I, I got to say, I saw the U.S. on Instagram. They put this skills video, all right, skills check. Thankfully, you weren't getting cooked. But <laughs> Ricardo Pepe, I know he's a striker, <laughs> oh, but Christian like this. cooked this man, nearly took his ankles. I, I loved what I saw. And it seems like the flare is at an all-time high in these training sessions. How intense has it been? How often are guys pulling out some of these moves? Ooh, look at Ricardo <laughs> Pepe. I mean, his ankle's still in the pitch. Um, not a what, oh, what, now, what, now Pepe's going to want to go hey, on you yeah. now, man. <laughs> what, what, are, what, what are some of those, those good moments in training that you could share? No, I mean, I'm telling you, you have to be careful because you could also get cooked. Um, you know, <laughs> I tend to keep my feet, so uh, I'm, thank God I'm on there. But, uh, you know, these guys, they're so creative, so it's kind of, uh, you're all, you always have to be ready. Um, so hopefully, 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 y'all will never see me on one of those highlight videos. <laughs> who, who's who, who's, been, do, who's been cooked the most? Like, Whoa. is there one player that you said, ooh, like you guys had to give it to him a little bit on the on the bus ride back to the hotel. All right, he might kill me for saying this, but yesterday Kevin cooked Tim at one point. Tim was playing uh, right wing back. Tim uh, Tim Weah, and uh, you know he was feeling himself, and uh, Kevin gave him a nasty one, and uh, Tim kind of fell, and he like looked at the ground like there was something on the ground. But uh, I think we all, we all... no, did you check for snipers? Did you check for snipers yeah, on the roof. Exactly. Oh no. Yo, shouts to Kevin Paredes, bro. Yeah. Okay, Kevin. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Chris, before we let you go, I know that Alexis has uh, given you a hard time about the pineapple on pizza thing, but there was a video of you guys when you were in Chicago eating some deep dish. I am a Chicago native. It is my jam. I just want to get your assessment. How did you How did you find the deep dish pizza? What were your thoughts? I thought it was good. It was uh, very filling. I don't... Are there people, like, do people eat a whole deep dish pizza? No. God, no. It's a hey, gut bomb. It's a gut bomb. Don't let her fool you. You've seen no. some of them Chicago folks are, you know, they sturdy. We're stacky. Midwesterns. Yep. We got to get that winter layer. It gets a, mighty cold. A lot of, a lot of milk in that in in youth, you know. Was it, was it Lou Malnati's? Where, where did you go? Do you remember? Or was it Pequod's? Where'd you go? Uh, I don't remember. I think it was near the Northwestern campus, though. Okay, there could it could have been a Malnati's up yeah. there. There's a there's a few of them. Oh, well, that makes me happy. I'm glad you enjoyed it. But yeah, you know, it's one of those foods where you take like four bites and you're like, I'm good. I want to know how how many minutes, how many honest minutes on a football pitch, <laughs> Chris, can you give me after even eating a full deep oh. dish pizza? It wouldn't be much. I'd say <laughs> maybe five, six minutes. You'd be I looking like Ricardo sure. Pepe out there. No! <laughs> no! Hey, you said it, not me. You said it. Hey, no! <laughs> Sick burn. Hey, you're the one who called them out. I had no, no disrespect. Dang. No. Dang. Now we got to get Pepe on here to cook yeah, you. He, hey, he's a striker. No, I, give, I, the, the I give him better for the doubt. He's oh, a striker. Savage. Thank you. Savage move. Oh, Chris Richards, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Best of luck uh, in the next two matches. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, guys, we got through it. We did it. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Have a fantastic Thursday.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.